0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: Tuesday night, Discovery's back on, and believe it or not, so are we. It's Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray, and I'm John Champion. And yes,
0: we're back again, like we like to be, chatting with you, our Star Trek pals, to see what made the latest disco tick tonight. You know the drill. Quick recap, share some thoughts and open it up to you because we want to know what you thought. Klingons and Vulcans and babies. Oh my, it's point of light, episode three of season two. You can click on the link to join our zoom meeting or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also pick up the phone and dial 646-558-8656. Then enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments. Then there we all are talking Trek.
1: Now, listen, it's very important that you do call in tonight because John and I are out here, well, not by ourselves, because we do have each other, but John and I are are guest free this evening, which means plenty of time for you to call in and give your thoughts. Now, I pretend to know what a lot of you are thinking. Couldn't you get an executive producer of Discovery to be on your show? Because you know one, and you're right, we do. Uh, uh, Rod Roddenberry, of course, could have joined us tonight, but he decided instead to go and celebrate his birthday. Mm.
0: You know anybody happy could do that a- anybody once a year
1: <laughs> a, yeah, yeah I know any 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 other night would have been fine for him doing that. Uh, he does actually listen to this show he doesn 't watch it live, so happy birthday, Rod, and uh, many happy returns um, and and try not to try not to interfere with the show next time, would you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So, also, hey, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was say I, I was gonna jump in with the thanks to Earl, uh mm. Earl Green, our technical director. Uh hey, look, it's a live show. Sometimes you get a technical problem and he said to us, I just have to read this. You're up, guys. Sorry, I had a problem that I didn't even know could happen. <laughs> so, Yay. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So you know, it's it's a learning process for us all. So thank you it to is, everybody who kind of hung in there with us.
1: It is discovery all around, isn't it, John? Mm-hmm discovery you see because yeah. he's discovering right <clears throat> so yeah give us a call 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call 646-558-8656 then enter the meeting code that you will find in the show description in the comments or join the zoom meeting like john talked about earlier uh thank you for joining us live either on facebook or on facebook i believe facebook.com slash mission log is the way we're doing that are we up on youtube yet
0: uh we, we're up on youtube later so okay. after that, yeah. it'll go up there. So it won't be live there. But it, So if you're, if you're joining
1: us live on YouTube, I got bad news. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Facebook.com slash Mission Log for the Live Show. And if you want to catch the replay on YouTube, it is uh, YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. YouTube.com slash RoddenberryProd. Uh, of course, you might be grabbing just the audio feed later. Basically, however you're getting this show, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, and, and we do hope you'll uh, join us again and tell other people about it, and let's get on to other stuff. Uh, what's coming up in the future, John? You know, oh. the future where all of us will live one day. or We will like all God. spend the rest of our lives. Yes. Thank you. Sorry about that.
0: Uh, so as we do, Discovery releases every Thursday night, 14 episodes in this season. So we'll be doing this for a little while longer. Uh, we just, by the way, had our first ever event in the new Roddenberry Theater in VR last week. So uh, thanks for coming to the live show. And if you're so inclined, we'd love to see you over at the Roddenberry Nexus. Big thanks to Larry Demichek, who stepped in virtually to screen the TOS blooper reel and provide insight and some color commentary there. That's all part of the Roddenberry Nexus and Sansar. Of course, you don't have to wait for an event to go there sansar.com has a ton of cool stuff including the nexus where we have art from the motion picture costumes of the original series and the movies and tng ships and toys and all kinds of fun stuff so you can do all of that with a headset an oculus rift or htc vive or if you don't have a vr rig you can still access it from your pc as long as you're running windows 7 or later The place for more info and to sign up for your free account is sansar.com that is s-a-n-s-a-r.com and just today ken we were talking about scheduling our next event tba but it should be on thursday february 21st 7 p.m pacific
1: yeah that's the plan we don't know exactly what it is we're going to be doing there although uh we do have that neat theater so we're thinking something theatrical (laughs) we're thinking something you know that'll Something to show people and then discuss it, not just, um, you know, standing around looking at things that are sitting there.
0: Yeah, I can tell you another thing that's coming up in this show. So coming up, we're going to have the poll question just in Mm -hmm. in mere seconds. We're going to have the recap. Then we're going to have a discussion. So we've got uh, Brian standing by and uh, we'll be going to him. So, Brian, uh, please be patient. We're going to get your thoughts on Disco this week. Uh, Mm. But before we get to the recap, before we get to Brian... Let's talk about the poll. So uh, last week we asked you, is Tilly Wesley 2.0? Mm-hmm. 26% of you said yes. 74% of you said no. I, I definitely say no. Um, I, I see where people could make a parallel there, but I, I, I think they're, they're cut from different cloth.
1: Okay. Because <laughs> you asked me last week what I thought, but I didn't want to say anything before the poll started. Um, okay. or before people had a chance to take the poll. But I'll go ahead and say now, I, I, I last week she felt a little bit like Wesley 2.0, this week less so. Hmm. So, I mean, if I had answered the question last week and I did, I was in the 26%. Yeah. Um, it was a little too much like she's always got the right answer. Everybody is willing to defer to her. Like they basically let a, a, a cadet or an ensign, I guess, uh, guide an asteroid into the shuttle bay. Right, which is kind of a big thing that you would normally want somebody with a little bit higher rank to do. And then she came in uh, and pushed Detmer aside last week, you know, to sit at the con and Mm try to figure out how they were going to do the donut and stuff like that, and just kind of runs in and, you know, blurts out an idea. Um, She's cooler than Wesley. She's funnier than Wesley, but there's a Mm -hmm. bit of Wesley there, and that the, you know, the young upstart is going to have the right answer. And boy, oh boy, Mm -hmm. does every. If you pardon me for saying, so I was going to say adult, but boy, oh boy, does every higher ranking official on there defer to her quite a bit. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of where you could make the argument, I think. But yeah. then this week she was just nuts, <laughs> which, oh, yes, was. which was interesting. And, yeah. and you only yeah. saw that with Wesley, I think one time, which was the one where he wanted ice cream for everybody. Or was that his counterpart in TOS? I can't remember. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The naked now, I believe was the only time that you really saw Wesley, like, you know, crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah, true, true. All right, well, so this week, and good uh, good elucidation there on that. Uh, so this week we asked you a theme to this week's episode about what's going on with uh, Tilly and with May, and then that spore thing that attached itself to Tilly, and then uh, became sentient. Is the spore creature evil? Well, last I looked, may be 37%, may be not 63%.
1: <laughs> is it a visual joke yeah yeah may. yeah because may. her name's may and it's i think it's a funny joke personally i'm gonna say great. the person
0: who came up with that very clever i am a fan
1: yeah yeah me too whoever yeah. came up with that way to go you yeah um do you want to do you want to talk about that one or that's probably something we can talk about after the recap huh
0: i think we should I, I think if you could regale us with the recap and then uh we'll we'll hop over to our first caller and we'll just uh we'll just go it up okay
1: all right, three stories this week: Burnham, Tilly, and the Klingons. We will start with the Klingons. On Quonos, Lorel is showing off a new Klingon battle cruiser to be used by all of the houses. The D Seven will bear the crest of the United Klingon Empire, not of individual houses. Its construction will be overseen by Lorel's torchbearer, Vok, aka Ash Tyler, aka Vok. Not everyone's into the idea. Like Cole's dad, he's especially offended by having this whatever Ash Tyler is, in any position of authority. The conversation gets heated, ending with Volk Tyler trying to remove the ceremonial paint from the older Klingon's face. So that went well. Everybody's being cagey around Volk Tyler, even those close to Laurel. He and she are also having a tough time. He's committed to her, yet her touch feels to the human part of the Klingon like a violation. Time to make a call to Michael Burnham. He lets her know that the situation on Klonos is destabilizing. The houses are starting to buck under Laurel's leadership. Also, he's worried that he's hurting Laurel. Also, hi. Okay, bye. Still suspicious of everyone's suspicions, Volk Tyler finds some of Laurel's closest associates huddled in secret, and he has had enough. He threatens Laurel's uncle, who says he's not the one keeping secrets. Laurel is. The biggest secret, a child, the son of Laurel and Vogue. So, Vogue, Tyler's kind of tweaked. Lorel explains that she got pregnant before Vogue became Tyler. She couldn't weasel her way on the Discovery to activate Tyler while pregnant, so she had the kid ex-utero. She's never named him. She's never even seen him. The kid's a liability. Also, Laurel knows about Tyler's call to burn him, though he says that was just to warn Starfleet of the potential instability. Nothing personal. Tyler sees their son as the unifying bond Clonos needs. New plan. They'll be a family, mother, father, and son. Going to find their boy, they find Laurel's slain uncle instead, killed by Cole's father. Remember the paint Volk Tyler tried to wipe from the old Klingon's face? Turns out that was nanotech, able to listen to everything Tyler's been up to. He knows about Tyler's call to Burnham, a betrayal to the Empire in his estimation. He also knows about the baby, which Cole's dad is now holding hostage. He'll return the kid and let Lorel free if she turns control of the Empire over to him. Of course, Laurel has no intention of turning over control of the Empire to Cole's dad. So it's a fight to the deaths. And Team Laurel's about to die. Until the Mirror Universe's own Philippa Georgiou, now of Prime Universe's Section 31, shows up, laying waste to Cole's dad and Cole's dad's friends. Georgiou explains, the Federation cannot afford to have anyone else as head of the Klingon Empire. That's why she's been spying and why she stepped in. But Vogt Tyler and the kid are liabilities. They're going to have to go. The next time we see Laurel, she's addressing the Klingon High Council. She says the human, whose name she can no longer even say, betrayed them to the Federation. He's killed Cole's dad, who Laurel says was defending her, the sacrifice of one house, saving many. Then the human killed the secret child that she had with Voke. So she killed Tyler. To prove it, she shows them the severed head of the child and the human, tossing Tyler's head into lava. No more kids for her. From now on, all Klingons will be her children. They will call her mother. Hold on, the empire cemented. Of course, neither Tyler nor the kid are dead. They're on a Section 31 shuttle. The kid will be raised by Klingon monks. He'll never know who his parents were. Just a simple monastic Klingon life. And Tyler, maybe he'd like to join Section 31. Tilly's tale. Sylvia Tilly is running from her dead friend. Literally. She wins a race, though, so yay. Later, her dead friend, May, is getting to be more of a bother. Tilly's supposed to be shadowing Pike, though her dead friend is angry. Pike's not the captain that May is looking for. The captain she's looking for is short, blonde, mean. Faced with someone who's apparently not there, Tilly loses it yelling at no one, realizing what she's done, saying she quits, and leaving the bridge. Eventually, she comes clean about what's going on. Tilly tells Burnham about her dead friend. She knows she's crazy, though Burnham hears a clue. Tilly says May is confused by Tilly's crying. But even an imaginary dead friend would know what tears are. May's not a ghost, nor an illusion. The two think maybe a mirror universe spore has infected Tilly. Taking the problem to Stamets, it turns out, yeah, Tilly's been infected by a multi-cell, multi-dimensional fungal parasite. Imaginary May is frightened. She says Tilly is her only hope, though Tilly is ignoring her. Then Stamets begins removing the parasite, which, once removed, is kind of blobby, but it's out and it's caught. Burnham's story. Burnham's still worried about the Seven Signals and her relationship with her adopted brother, Spock. On the bridge, yellow alert, Disco is intercepted by a Vulcan ship. Sarek's ship. Though Sarek's not on board. It's Sarek's wife and Spock's mother and Burnham's adopted mother, Amanda. Amanda says Spock needs their help and she can only turn to Michael. Spock's family knows that Spock's in a psych ward Though there's more that they don't know. The hospital where Spock's supposed to be says he isn't there. They would tell Amanda nothing. So she kind of stole his medical file. Burnham and Amanda want Mike to authorize opening Spock's medical file. He's not keen on that. So he calls Starfleet for an update on Spock's condition. That's met with a big surprise. Starfleet says Spock killed three of his doctors, then escaped. Also, some of his files have gone missing. Pike, Burnham, and Amanda do not believe that Spock killed anyone, and so the word is given. Pike tells Burnham to break into Spock's medical file, which she does. The file shows extreme empathy deficit. It also shows the Red Angel. Amanda knows it. Spock started seeing it when he was a kid. It even told Spock once where Burnham was when she ran away. Burnham tells Amanda about the time she saw it as well. As for Spock's extreme empathy deficit, Amanda blames herself. She distanced herself from Spock as a boy to make him more Vulcan. But Burnham says it was her fault. Worried that the Vulcan separatists would kill her as a child, she was mean to Spock. Mean in a way that she won't state out loud. Hoping to keep him from harm should harm find her. With that news, Amanda turns cold. Takes Spock's medical file and heads off to find him on her own. Well So I felt like that was it. Felt like that was a better way to tell the story. Do everybody's story individually rather than doing the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth thing.
0: I I totally agree. Yeah, cool. Uh, definitely a good choice there. Uh, something I want to point out before we get into any discussion here: um, our listeners are awesome. Uh, because we we had uh, one or two technical issues tonight, and everybody just uh, they're having fun. Uh, they're, they they jump from the uh, the first doomed feed to our new, hopefully not doomed <laughs> feed. Uh, they've been chiming <laughs> in. Uh, David said it happened right after Larry joined, so blame Larry. Uh, no, so you no, know, I just, didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that makes just, perfect sense. Yeah, all, all kinds of fun to be had about uh, about our misfortune. <laughs> so. Um, and and thanks to uh, Earl for getting us back up and running uh, very quickly. And thanks to everybody who has stuck around. We really appreciate it. And Ken, well done on the recap there. Look, I, I feel like uh, we can't hold Brian any longer. I feel like it, he has been with us. He has witnessed all of this mess. <laughs> so I feel like we need to go to Brian right away. So if we can unmute, unmute Brian, bring him in. Brian, sir, uh, thank you for sticking around. And uh, what have you got to share with us and with our listeners about tonight's disco? Oh, we got to We got to unmute him. There he is.
2: It's great to talk to you.
0: Hey, Hey. thank you again.
2: Sure, sure. I'm I'm so glad to talk to you guys. Um, So I did have a couple of thoughts about uh, last week's episode. Um, Mostly, I mean, I love representation. Um, it's something that's important. So it's, so to see, uh, Michael Barnum, to see Amanda, to see, uh, Giorgio, and then even Laurel, you know, really coming into their own. Tilly in this episode was amazing. Um, but I think a bigger, uh, thing that, that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is, uh, something that Captain Pike is bringing to Discovery now, um, that we maybe didn't have before. And that goes back to Captain Lorca's quote, context is for kings. You know, this idea that that if you're a main character, you don't have consequences, basically. And we see this over and over again on Star Trek. Um, Michael Burnham sort of learned that, that lesson last year, but she also came around to thinking that, you know, it was not a good thing that she uh, mutinied. You know, and Lorca told her it was okay, and now we have Pike that's telling her it's okay. You know, and if you're a Star Trek fan, you remember uh, Pike literally got Spock off the death penalty years ago context you know mm. you see it with Tilly in this episode you see it with the Spock's medical file um and I think it's it's just a really it's a really interesting thing that they that they kind of realized that that was a fun part of Star Trek that maybe what we weren't seeing as much hmm. and they bring it back and I wonder, Could, what do you guys think about that
0: well <laughs> um I, I, well, I do want to say that for this week's episode, first of all, not enough Pike for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the things that you're talking about that really got you fired up about last week's episode, and, and I would even say the one before that. Um, yes, I, I do not disagree with you. Uh, now, when Lorca was saying that context is for kings, he was using that in a really um, underhanded way. You know, when mm. when we see a guy like Pike, who uh, from all indications is mm. a uh, he, he, he's on the right side morally, then uh, applying context, or as we like to talk about when we were uh, discussing particularly TOS and into decisions that were made on TNG, uh, compassion was that element. Mm. That, uh, that that had to be there to to be the, the temperance between the the purely logical and, and purely emotional decision that had to be made mm. and and always expertly played out in the uh, Kirk Spock McCoy triumvirate, you know, or or we referred to ethos pathos logos being the uh, uh, the the three influences the three arguments. Uh, uh, to be made, as expressed by those characters. Okay. So, yeah, look, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just feel, um, I feel maybe a little unprepared tonight because tonight's episode was the Klingon Tilly Burnham <laughs> story. Right, right. And, and, and I feel the... like, and I feel like we shifted gears a bit, uh, and, I and I feel like we're also watching a middle story, you know.
1: I will, I will tell you one thing. I was talking over this episode, uh, with a friend of mine, though, who said that uh, she became more respectful, I think, of, a Pike as a captain. He's, he, this particular Pike is becoming one of her favorite captains because he's a really good manager, which is kind of funny. But, uh, so, so, uh, Amanda and, um, michael burnham come to pike and they're like listen we have we have Pike's, uh, we have uh, spock's medical record we want to break into it and pike's like no 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 you cannot do that because that is wrong and then he calls starfleet and he's like so what's going on starfleet's like totally giving them the runaround," and he doesn't believe it anymore so at that point he doesn't go he doesn't say he doesn't lose spock's medical record he doesn't you know on the sly hand it back to her he then takes ownership of the situation. They're still going to get to do what they want to do, and it's for good reason, but he says, break into that file, that's an order. So now he owns the situation. So it's not like the whole mutiny thing, it's not like it's even okay, now he's taking on that mantle instead. Which um, which was uh, sort of a subtlety of his character that hadn't occurred to me until I was having that discussion. And um, Yeah, kind of like it. I don't know if that answers your question exactly, or if that addresses what you were saying exactly, but it's kind of more nuanced. I mean, last year it was you know, people just go off and do things on their own, and 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 this year, I mean, they're they're not necessarily playing by the book completely, but they are they are playing uh, as a cohesive unit, uh, which is kind of neat. Sure. sure. Yeah. Brian, go ahead. I'm sorry, John.
0: No, I I was going to do what you're doing. I was going to ask if you had any other comments. And I was also going to encourage you, Brian, to call back uh, as we go through the next, uh, what, 11 episodes of Discovery. Mm -hmm. Check back in with us from time to time, because I I feel like there's so much more of Pike to come. And particularly hammering what you're talking about, this uh, sort of using the uh, uh, context slash compassion in the way that he makes decisions. So... Yeah. So I, I feel like there's going to be we'll on that one
2: Spock comes in. I'm expecting to see echoes of the menagerie in the cage as we see Spock and pipe relationship.
0: Indeed. Thank you so Take much. Thanks, thanks for holding on through our technical difficulties and uh, please come back. Okay.
2: Thanks guys. Take care.
0: Take care.
1: 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call 646-558-8656. Or if you're on Facebook, uh, you can click on the uh, link in the uh, chat, which I think is pinned right to the top now. So just click on that and follow the instructions and and you can be on with us.
0: Yeah, uh, we do have Doug who's waiting to chat with us. And really quickly, before we get to you, Doug, I see you waving there. How you doing, man? Uh, before we jump over to Doug, uh, there's a couple of questions that I just wanted to pull from the chat real quick here. Um, uh, first of all, hi, uh, TL Coco. Thanks for joining us as you do Tuesday nights. Glad to see you as always. Uh, Michael poses an interesting question. He says, are you guys concerned at all with the dead people coming back from the spore network being connected to pseudoscientific theories of real life Paul Stamets, who seems to view intergalactic metaphysical mushrooms as a real thing? Um, I, I brought that up because, uh, honestly, I don't have an answer. I, I'm not familiar enough with uh, what the real Paul Stamets has done or is doing or believed. I, I Really know nothing of that. But I wanted to address your question because you do actually hit on something that I found to be a very interesting uh, part of this episode, which is the Stamets experience with what was happening in the mycelial network versus the Tilly experience of what was happening in the mycelial network. They're both having an emotional reaction to what's going on. And and Stamets very clearly heartbroken and grieving over what happened to Culber and just the idea that he saw him at all and is trying to wrap his head around why and would he even want to experience that again? And if he does, what does it mean? Does he stay there? Does Culber come back with him? This is all big stuff for him to deal with. Contrast that with Tilly's experience, which is this ridiculous thing happen which is playing havoc with her ability to do her job she goes to her friend burnham and burnham immediately says let's science this let's figure out why this is happening what this is and then she says all right look you don't need the sick bay you need to get to engineering here's how we resolve this this plays into a theme that we really started to dig into last week which is here's an experience different people will bring their values to it, their emotions to it, and they will sort out that experience in the way that that they know how and the way that they're conditioned to. So I like the fact that just even on board, we're seeing Stamets go through a thing. We're seeing Tilly go through a thing related because of the Spore Network, but having a very different response to it. And I'm curious if because of what just happened to Tilly, that we'll get more out of Stamets in the weeks to follow in his ability to reconcile seeing Culver. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. That's why I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, the Spore Network, Michael. Uh, any comments there, Ken, before we jump over to Doug?
1: Not about that question specifically, but I think uh, there's one thing that's bothering me about the whole May thing. She has expressed on more than one occasion that you know she needs help, that Tilly's the only one that she can trust. I mean, I think she even said at one point, just, you know, tell them what I want to say or something along those lines. Um, She's going to end up being the right? Mm -hmm. We think she's evil. We think she's trying to drive Tilly mad. She does, in fact, for some reason, have something that's actually going to be important. I actually sort of kind of started to wonder, do we want to do where we think it might go or do we want to hold on to that one?
0: Uh, well, mm, well, I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, I, I say we well, hold on. Yeah,
1: you say we hold on.
0: I say okay, we hold on.
1: Here's yeah. the thing: if it turns out I was right, then I can't like five weeks from now go see. I totally knew it. I almost said that one time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: okay, yeah. we'll hold on to it if you want to. All right, I, I, I think. Well, I, I think she's going to end up being a bigger. I think that I think the whole May thing is going to be more of a fulcrum than we realized, and I hope mm. so because otherwise it's just an annoying character that can't leave soon enough. As God, thank you you an annoying character. Yes, thank you. But, but but when you start to see her desperation, not as just I'm an annoying person, but something really you know bad is theoretically happening to her, then I'm I'm okay with her being annoying if it's just a look. I'm I'm trying to learn to talk. I'm trying to learn to walk around in your you know state of being you know, that whole thing still annoyed. Hey, well, yeah, I don't blame you. We do have somebody else. Uh, we do have somebody else waiting though, John.
0: Yes. Doug, Doug, welcome to the show. Ooh. Thank you so much for your patience. How's it going? Oh tonight? yeah. Oh, great. How are you all doing? But uh, well, you know, uh, we're hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um,
3: so I have a couple things I just wanted to make note of, I suppose. Um, and sorry, I have my cat in the way. Um, no, first of all, does the cat have a star Trek name? Uh, Joey. Um, Oh, yeah, help yeah, me so out here. Yeah. Help me out here. It's I'll actually a Simpsons reference, the Joey, Joe, Joe, Shabadoo, but yeah. Um, <laughs> see, anyway,
1: all, all I could see was the black part of the cat for people listening to the audio. Um, um, uh, Doug is on video mm-hmm. and, and Doug's cat is actually more on video than Doug. Is. <laughs> all I could see was the black part. I was hoping your name was Isis. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. yeah. But you what? know, there you go.
3: Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, first off there's the, um, I've, I've been watching uh discovery with my wife who doesn't really watch star Trek. So it's been fun going through that first season. And now we're going through season two and, um, it's neat watching with someone who isn't a uh, Trekkie. Um, my point will come around to that later in that she points out some different things. Uh, first off, I want to say that, um, uh michael uh, what what did she do to Spock? like I know that's the reveal, I know it's like <laughs> built up for us to like really wonder that, but I'm starting to like it's being built up in such a way that it's like okay, you just need to talk about it. This is getting really weird like
0: uh, uh i'm gonna put in my vote i'm gonna say uh, if I were in the writer's room, poisoned Ichaya.
1: well, we know she didn't do that because killed got killed trying to defend Spock because I was going to say he hurt his dog or something like that, or obviously yeah. hurt his say a lot, but yeah. but yeah, we yeah. know it wasn't that because yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah.
3: well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm also wondering how much of the uh, of that um, sort of like animated episode if it would be referenced or alluded to or anything. I'm curious if that'll come up down the line. Probably not. But um, anyways, there's that. That's just sort of like bugging me when I watch the episode. Like, geez, I think you really should talk about this. Um, Personally, for me, this episode is almost too much of a throwback to season one. Uh, Mm. The section 31, I guess that's not new per se, but, um, or that is sort of new, but um, the Klingon stuff, I'm just, I'm just over it. I'm just, I'm like... (laughs) I I was really liking these past two episodes. I was like, Hey, we're moving on. There's like that second episode was so fun and there's a lot of stuff going on. Which one was it where Pike says he's like, Hey, we're going to have some fun. Like, you know, I was like, Okay, cool. Yeah. Great. And, uh, this episode, uh, did not really have the fun for me. Um, I don't know. It, It was, it was fine, but it was just like a lot of throwback, a lot of like plot.
0: Yeah. Look, uh, we, we reach, we reach Doug uh, because, and here's the thing I'm trying not to be too judgmental because right. we're three episodes into a 14 episode run. And last week with new Eden, I said that this is one of my favorite, definitely my favorite discoveries so far. And if this is laying the groundwork for the big ideas that are going to be talked about. Great. Now we knew the Klingons had to come back in some way. We couldn't just yeah. leave that. And, and, you know, never visit that again. We knew that uh, Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio, would be back in some way, and we'd have to figure out what was happening over at Section 31. But yeah, I'm with you as far as the plot lines that we've established, and as far as the ideas that we've established, I was much more interested in following that thread that got started last week. And I know we'll be back to it. There is still more red angels to follow, more red signals to follow. Um, definitely interested in the, uh, the the Spock story. And for me, just curious to see how that plays into the bigger Spock character that we got to experience for 25 years. Ken, actually, I'm going to jump to one of your questions uh, because uh, before we do the show, we we each jot down a handful of notes Um and Ken, there was one that you posted here that I want to pose to you and to Doug here. Uh, I, I love that you say, "How do you feel about Amanda being a bad mom?" Oh
1: yeah, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a smart question, uh, and, and I'm curious uh, because it, you know we're talking about the the Spock story. We're talking about what Burnham did or or may not have done for Spock. Uh, so, Ken, what, what is, why did you pose that? And Doug, I'm curious, what do you think about how Amanda was portrayed here? Is she a bad mom?
1: Eh, it's not really fair to say that she's a bad mom, but she feels like one, and I don't like it. I mean, it was always sort of... One of the tragedies was always the fact that Amanda was always reaching out to Spock, be that on... Um, what, Journey to Babel? Was that the mm-hmm. one where they were going to? Yeah. Or in Star Trek Four, when, when Spock is learning to be human again and the computer asks, how do you feel? And Amanda has to come to him and remind him of his humanity. It, it sort of felt like, I mean, that was, that was always sad, you know? And then to have Amanda standing there in the hands of, of people who did not create the character um, and saying, you know, I was a really bad mom to Spock no not necessarily i mean there's so much that you can take from from their relationship you can be a good mom and still things don't necessarily work out right you you can make decisions and your kids are going to go off and make their own decisions I mean, she always seemed to be very loving and very accepting of everything he did and he wanted no part of it and yet she was always there for him and so then for her to stand there and say i, I was i was a terrible mother i just i i totally shut off love to him and then say, I gave all my love to you. And then you're the one who turns out screwed up my kid. It's like, I mean, just why Why does everything that came before have to be kind of um, naysayed by what's happening today, I guess, is the mm-hmm. question that I have. So that's sort of why I put the question. Um, I'm curious, Doug, any thoughts on that?
3: I guess I think you're picking up on a bit more nuances than I did watching it. Um I think for me, it was um, the whole time seeing those interactions and seeing her explain herself in that way. um, Just to me felt like, okay, this is how we fit canon together. Like, okay, we're going to do this. Which I suppose now that you've pointed out, maybe doesn't actually fit at all. Um, But I thought in terms of like, we have to put Michael into this story. And so we're saying, okay, um, I gave all my glove to you instead of Spock. And I don't know. I just... Didn't get any emotional resonance out of that personally. I was just like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here and pit them together against each other and stuff. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's sort of how I took that. Um, I guess we'll find out. I did find her leaving ambiguous, and I'm not sure if it was intentional. Like when she sort of, what was the final thing she said to Burnham? I couldn't uh, tell Burnham,
1: if it, Burnham sorry. said that they would go and find Spock and and like, um, I will or something. She said no. And then she took the medical records and said I will and she took off.
3: Yeah, like it seemed I'm like, is this aggressive? Or or like it was just played in a way where I was like, I don't tonally know exactly what's happening. I feel like that's supposed to be an aggressive move, but
2: I don't know. Yeah, I
0: mean I, I didn't necessarily see any of that negating what happened before, but I, I wondered if it lays the groundwork for Pushing Amanda more towards Spock and away from Burnham, hence a sort of you know continued rift in the family. And I'm, I'm curious about um, you know is it really that Amanda is and I know Kendy, we're, we're playing fast and loose with the language here. I know that bad is not necessarily the, the, the single word that boils down the character, but uh, she's in a mixed marriage you know uh vulcan human uh uh you know uh catholic jewish uh, uh believer non believer uh star wars star trek there's mixed marriages of all kinds and 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 I have some sympathy for amanda uh because here's this uh look let's face it sarek he's uh, he's a good looking stoic uh, he's an ambassador uh he's very cool uh but then to decide that you're going to be married to a guy who uh, is definitely not in touch with his emotions or not expressive of his emotions for the rest of your adult life, It'd be a very difficult thing, particularly when it comes to raising children, particularly when you have, you know, a couple of hundred thousand years of human evolution telling you how to bond with your children. And then you have to decide one day, Oh no, uh, that's, that's not how we're going to do it here. So um, I, I have some sympathy for Amanda for sure, and uh, I, I also think that that they're they're helping to explain the rest of the Sarek family dynamics.
1: Cool. <laughs> 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 I, I, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead.
3: I, okay, and I, I don't want to derail this too much, but and I know this is maybe is being nailed a nail on the head or whatever too many times. But again, my wife isn't a Star Trek fan and we've been starting to watch the Orville a little bit as well on our like ritual of like watching (laughs) the discovery. And I know this is, I know, but after the last episode of the Orville we watched, we were like, Oh, that was like a really touching story. I'm not going to talk about too much. Okay, oh, oh, i no? I
1: haven't seen it yet. I'm okay. catching up. I have a touching seen...
3: story. Okay. It's good. a touching story. And we were like, "Oh, that was like it had some emotional resonance and we we just like really liked it." And then we watched the discovery episode or like right after and we were like, Ooh, okay." Like just I don't know. Um just as an outsider, it's it's or I'm not the outsider, but it's interesting seeing someone else's reaction to all of it. And I I get what's happening with discovery, you know, in terms of like the scope of the the universe or whatever, but um episode to
2: episode
3: i don't know anyways yeah
0: <laughs> well uh so ken you have not seen that episode of the orville uh I, I will state again that i have not seen any of the orville and i know that people have asked like hey uh can can you guys uh, maybe talk about the orville one day uh yeah, <laughs> one day when, when i watch it so For uh time, yeah. No, 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 no! Don't worry about it. Look, I, I, I'm I'm just sort of very single-minded, and uh, the my my job is to talk about Star Trek, so I, I want to make sure that I'm dedicating my time to Star Trek. Um, I, I've heard so many great things about the Orville, and I know that I need to watch it. and uh, and, and I do like Seth MacFarlane, and uh, and I love that uh, people sent me some photos of uh, what Bob Picardo and John Billingsley guest starring. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I, I, if nothing else, I need to watch that one. But, but for now, for now doing a Star Trek show, I just, uh, I got to focus on Trek. Of course. Well, thanks for your time, y'all. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well,
1: no, I was going to say really quickly, here's what I'll say about it. It can bring the drama that John Billingsley, Bob Picardo episode, especially uh, it can bring the drama. It can bring the humor and most every episode ends feeling like the world's going to be okay. Hmm. Um, which is which is something that uh, something that you might miss from from uh, Star Trek of old. Just you know, that's that's sort of my that's my thirty seconds on it. I mean, sure, there there are a few jokes that you wouldn't necessarily want the kids to see, but then again, we're not talking about the kids watching Star Trek at this point anyway. So yeah. Yeah. even that, I don't think you can say is like, oh well, no, it could never be this because of this part because there's so much that you're not getting, you know, the way it used to be now. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm all for that. I'd even I'd even go see an Orville movie and and still keep watching it on TV. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, Doug.
3: All right. Well, thanks again for your time and uh, keep, uh, you know, first time caller, long time listener. So uh, take oh, care. Man. And
0: uh, yeah.
1: Cheers. Thank you. Well, yeah, okay. you be, uh, join us again sometime, please. we
0: Will do. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, please. Take care.
1: So, um, yeah, for people listening, you probably picked up on it. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty with today's show, uh, but we are still up against the clock that we're always up against. I want to remind people really quickly when we're done, which will be very soon, uh, stay on Facebook and go over and catch the people at Priority One, Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. I believe it's Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. Um, and then we had, uh, I think we had somebody else call in and we had a, we had a, we had a message sent to us, a video message, which we'll get to next week as well. Yeah. Um, so if you're counting on a full hour, well, we had a full hour <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you did too. And, uh, and hopefully we'll have another full hour, a fuller full hour even, uh, next week.
0: Yeah, super cool to see everybody uh, join us. And then even with that glitch, jump over to the new feed and we'll get the audio out. So it it will be like you missed nothing. And uh, (laughs) we will have that full hour next time. So thank you to the people that called in tonight. I mean, this is why we do it, because we want to hear your immediate reactions on these shows as they are new. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log tonight by Earl Green. Thank you for bearing with everything during the technical meltdown, too. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Work, Priority One, and The Trek Files. Hey, if you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look over at patreon.com slash mission log. Some fun items there, including early access videos to certain episodes of Mission Log, the regular weekly Mission Log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live twice tonight or later, and we will talk Talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.